Yeah. Oh, messed up. <laughs> Click and a miss. Click and a miss. Ooh. Speaking of things that didn't get tightened up, just kidding. Wait, what? What is this? What was that transition? Speaking of things that... I don't know what I'm Like I said, I am just outside of my mind right now. You're listening to The John Chi Show, hosted by three Korean-American adoptees diving headfirst into what it means to be adopted, Korean-American, and more. And now, here's your hosts, Nathan, Patrick, and KJ. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The John Chi Show. It's your boys, KJ and Patrick, and... <laughs> At some point in this episode, Nathan, but not this point. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am doing good. I remembered that we were recording this and like a professional showed up for my call time. So that's good. Showed up for the call time. Fully showered. Fully. And ready to go to bed. Not looking ratchet. <laughs> uh, not. Yeah. So it's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, Nathan is not with us because the kid, one of the kiddos in his house is sick and also he might have thrown on his back and also, uh, I don't know. I kind of, I was telling Sarah, I was like, I forgot that this is the time of the year where some Noak is sick. Somewhere in the world, a Noak is sick. I feel like that's generally all year. I think there was like a good two week period where there was no, I think that two week period is called summer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. End of summer. And then... (laughs) Yeah, but we are wishing them full health. Yeah, um, yeah that sucks. Thinking about uh, entering into parenthood uh, and then seeing everything that he's been going through, I'm like, you know what? One kid might just be enough. One one kid <laughs> sounds like a lot, honestly. I don't know. One if I kid do sounds more like one kid too many. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm excited for excited for the one kid. But um, um, side note, I listened to our trailer the other day. Just I think I was like loaded up. Uh, iTunes, or not iTunes, but Apple Podcasts, and I listened to a trailer, and I was like, wow, this is horribly out of date. We should probably update that. <laughs> we need to make a new trailer. You weren't even... of the one that is very... I scripted. think you were engaged at the time. Oh, is that what's... Oh, oh, it's the literal content of the trailer. Yes. Not even the, it was just just like, the I mean, format of the trailer. Yeah, it was the like, formatting of the trailer. this is rough. <laughs> Nathan was in LA. You were engaged. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, was, that's funny. It was very funny. Um. Well, for anybody who maybe has never listened to the trailer, what does John Chi mean? Why do we call ourselves the John Chi Boys? Do you know what? Honestly, I don't even think we talked about that in the trailer. <laughs> uh, we. <laughs> whoops. Uh, we knew what we were doing. Uh, we call ourselves the Janchi Show because Janchi is a Korean word that means to feast or to celebrate. We've also seen it translated as banquet. Um, and we are here because we wanted to celebrate our intersectional identities as Koreans, as adoptees, as men, as spouses, as, you know, whatever. Uh, and also do that with the help of guests or do a deep dive into a topic uh, that explores those intersectional identities uh, on our own. Um, and then at the end of the show, we have a usually Korean food or drink item uh, because it wouldn't be a feast if you weren't actually eating anything or ingesting I, uh, ingesting anything. So yeah, that's sure. uh, that's why we call ourselves the John Chi Show. We're just here to celebrate who we are as part of the adoptee community. I love it. 
great definition for it. It felt a little long-winded. I'll punch yeah. it out. We'll, we can, we'll tighten it up in the edit. We won't tighten it up in the edit. We're, it's not getting tightened <laughs> It's not getting tightened um, Speaking of things that went very well, um, our conversation with our guests this week, <laughs> Jen Chapman. Um, Jen Chapman at Chappie Plans on all the places joined us to talk about a whole bunch of different things. Um, very privileged to be able to sit and hear her story. Um, I think she dove deep into a lot of topics that we have kind of like touched on a little bit. I know, especially from like a inside outside look of what it means to be a Christian and then not a Christian. And then also coming in and out of consciousness as an adoptee. And then as somebody who is like processing all of those things and then trying to be like anti-racist, but not even just not anti-racist, but just be like, Oh, I am understanding my identity and the intersections of all of these different things. Yeah. And so I just really appreciated her being super vulnerable and I think modeling a lot of the different types of experiences that exist that honestly can be really difficult to talk about that I think a lot of people go through or share similarities of um, in their own lives. So really excited to be able to share that with everybody on the show. I don't know. What do you remember kind of anything that we had talked about? Cause it was a little, <laughs> a little while ago that we did this interview. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, just, it, it just reminds me of like the privilege that we have of being able to share yeah. stories from all perspectives, all walks of life, because I think, Especially if you're in the adoptee space on the internet, it can get a little one-sided or the narrative can feel dominated by one idea, one opinion or not. And uh, for a show that's in that space, we try to be as um, agnostic as possible, I think, when, especially when doing guest interviews. Because ultimately, right. the thing that we want to do is we want to amplify all adoptee voices and we want to um continue to uplift and break down uh, uplift voices in our community and break down the idea that all adoptees are a type of way whatever type of way right. it is right um and so yeah i think that this this interview is no exception and i'm, I'm really excited for, to share with the world a hundred percent well without further ado here is our interview with jen chapman let's go Welcome back to the John Chi Show interview portion. We are here with Jen Chapman. Really excited to sit down with you and have this conversation. Jen, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me, gentlemen. Appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Ooh, I appreciate that. I, this is a I good start to this, to this conversation. I'm excited <laughs> it's gonna about it. It's going to be great. Buckle it's going to be great. <laughs> um jen as you were telling us before we hopped on here you've listened to quite a few episodes so you know how we kick these off uh with all of our guests if you want to tell us as much or as little of your story as you like we would love to hear it sweet hey i'm jen chapman my full name is jennifer but i go by jen the only person who calls me jennifer uh well they're related to me so um <laughs> i was <laughs> I'm, I'm a korean adoptee i was adopted about three months old. And my mother and father were married at the time. Uh, white, middle class, um, from upstate New York. I actually live very close to Nicole, who was just on your show as a guest. Mm, yes, We are good friends. 
Hey. So, there they are. <laughs> there we are. Yes. Eliminating <laughs> racism. Great, great picture for the audio medium. Yes. Podcast. So sorry <laughs> that uh, you cannot see this fabulous picture of Nicole and I um, at an event. However, uh, I digress. I am from, I'm from upstate New York. And um, let's see, my parents did end up divorcing when I was almost five. I also have an adopted brother, not biologically related. You've heard this a million times, I'm sure. Um, he actually has no contact with anyone in my family, um, including me. And uh, let's see, grew up in like white suburbia. Um, but I was ironic, like unique to what most of your guests that I've heard. I have the, I guess, quote, privilege of being in a class with two other Korean American adoptees who were also adopted through Parsons, who also came like their parents went through the same program. So I, I like imagine that for our our white parents, it was like, you know, they thought they were so cool going to this like white adoptive parent club. Like, oh my gosh, we're so best. Like we're going to get the cutest kids and put them in cute clothes and everyone's going to think we're amazing. Um, So I did come over on a plane with like three other people who um, I guess they, you know, they had to pick me up in New York city and it was like a whole big thing. And to this day, my uh, family will still say like, oh, we remember like going to New York City to see you get off the plane. And um, I was screaming bloody murder, like in every single picture. Uh, so and then what else? Fast forward. Yeah, grew up in like, continue to grow up in suburbia. And, and to make it worse, like the school that I went to and the district that I went to was like, kids were getting like BMWs when they turned 16. And mm. I was like, yeah, that's, what does that even mean? Like, I don't understand BMW. What, what is that? Like, those are letters <laughs> in the alphabet. I don't understand. So, cause I grew up very, very lower middle class. Um, and with a single mom who I think probably has several mental health issues. Um, so I like to share about my story that I am one, an advocate for anti, basically I'm, I'm, I'm anti-adoption. I'll just come out and say that. Um, for the most part, I won't say like, of the time, I'm sure there are situations where it's warranted, but for the most part, I'm anti-adoption. So I, what was I talking about before that though? Sorry. White suburbia, BMWs at 16, single parent household. Yes. Single parent household. I was going somewhere with it though, but I forget. Oh, it's okay. Um, you can probably like mix it or edit it so that it all makes sense. This is all going straight into the straight into the episode. Awesome. (laughs) People will be like, I don't understand what's happening right now. Um, Oh yeah, no, I'm an advocate for being anti-adoption, but also for mental health, like breaking the stigma around mental health. So I'm somebody who um, currently I've been diagnosed with OCD, like in the more, more recent years of my life, last five years which has been really interesting. I also have um, complex PTSD, ADHD, anxiety, and um, is that it? (laughs) 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 So um, that being said, I, you know, I think that my own adoptive mom had a lot of her own issues and uh, I grew up in a very, uh, neglectful abusive environment um grew up hearing you know like a lot of the oh 
you should be grateful, you know, the whole narrative that is very prominent in the adoption story. Um, you know, my mom is Catholic. She raised me Catholic. Um, my faith was not a very big part of my life. Um, although I did, like I said, I was raised in the Catholic church, so I did join a youth group, but that was because I felt like I had nowhere that I fit in. And I started to finally feel like this was the one place where I could sort of be whoever might be myself because, uh, you guys have talked about chameleons a lot, like on your podcast. And I felt like I was always a chameleon and always have imposter syndrome and never fit in anywhere. Um, so in my high school, I like was a cheerleader, but I also didn't really get along with any of the other cheerleaders. And I wasn't really friends with any of the other cheerleaders, but I also did theater and I also did art and I also wrote. So there was like all these different aspects to me. And it was almost like anything that I tried, I did well at. And I don't say that like, (laughs) I'm so great. I more like I've had to survive and I've had to like succeed to survive. So if I'm trying on a different hat or I'm trying on something new, I'm going to give it 110% so that I succeed at it and don't just like get left behind or, you know, fail. So I've just always felt like I can chameleon to many different situations, especially like with my parents being divorced and having to be like one way with my mom, having to be another way with my dad, because they had a very ugly, um, you know, they had a very ugly breakup. And yeah, I had a lot of, I was in and out of mental health institutions from the time I was 15, I want to say, um, trigger warning, suicide. I don't know if you guys do trigger warning. Yeah, you do. Right. Uh Um, yeah, I've, I have like several suicide attempts that I've survived. Um, and yeah, I'm now I'm a mom. (laughs) So like fast forward from like high school, I went to college, I got an undergrad degree, um, got a grad degree in literacy. Um, right now, you know, I'm married. I met my husband at church. I went from being an atheist, like almost an evangelical atheist, if you will, (laughs) to, to a Christian. Um, and actually it's at that time during my walk as a, you know, as a Christian within the first six years or so, um, that I started to come out of the fog. And that was due to our pastor at the time who we were in leadership at the church, my husband and I, um, having us speak on a panel about people who identified mostly as anything other than a typical Christian, right? So like a non-white, non-conservative, like either immigrant or there was a whole bunch of us on this panel. And he had us talk about what it's like to be X, Y, or Z in America during this climate because it was during like Trump era and... um, It was on that panel that I started to come out of the fog and after that come out of my own internalized racism and after that come out of like, it was like everything all at once blowing up in my face. And you talk about like, um, it was like an atomic bomb. It was like an atomic bomb going off. Um, And so it's been a lot of unlearning and relearning. And shortly after that is when I discovered be the bridge. It's a nonprofit run by Latash Morrison. So that organization I credit with me surviving basically because I had such an identity crisis after speaking on this panel because I realized I identified as white. Like I had severe prejudice towards black folks because of how mm-hmm. I was raised. Um, my mom is a Trumper. 
my dad passed away four years ago, but he was actually quite liberal. Um, he was a Democrat, but in his era was raised, he was pretty racist. Um, and so I adopted all of those behaviors and, and ideologies and mindsets and never really thought anything of it. Um, and I'd like, forget, I'd like look in the mirror and be like, Oh, right. I'm, I'm not white. I I forgot that I'm not white. (laughs) Like that's how, I mean, it was really intense. Um, how much I did not identify with being Korean American. Um, and so for me, all of this came to a head after I spoke on the panel and really heard for the first time, my good friend, Jasmine, who is a black woman speak about her experience as a black woman and about black lives matter, which I used to scoff at. Um, and I had like a major awakening at that moment. And, uh, that's how I found Be the Bridge. And then I became friends with Tiffany Hennis, who now goes by Jade. Um, and that is how I was on like the Archibald podcast. And then, um, then I met Katie during the pandemic on Instagram. Um, and the whole adoptee community kind of, we would meet every Saturday and then it turned into clubhouse. And that's how I like (laughs) it it kind of met Patrick. It's a super long story. I don't know. I'm rambling like forever, but I know that's what the show is, and so it's probably <laughs> <not>. <laughs> Very true. We try ramble. to keep that only for solos, okay? Yeah, so. okay, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's so much there, and I don't even remember what I shared in my responses, but if there's anything, like, I'm a totally open book, so I'll talk about anything. There's nothing that's, like, um, taboo for me. I am curious. So you mentioned growing up that you were raised in, like, a lower-income household. Mm-hmm. What was the story of your adoption? Because I think that that's actually really unique because adoption is, you know, pretty expensive and all that stuff. I don't know. Um, Like a lot of adoptees are adopted into upper middle class white homes. And Mm -hmm. so you, you hear like, I think there's a lot of like assumed um, commonality with our upbringing, maybe giving for regional areas and things, but, but that's really unique. And I think even in our attempt to share these stories and break down the monolithic idea of what an adoptee is, I think that Mm -hmm. that that's unique. So would you tell us what, yeah, what was the story given to you about your adoption from your, your parents or your other family or or friends or. Oh yeah. That's a really good question. Um, and happy to break that down because yeah, I, I do, I I actually do remember like listening to all of your guests and being like, yeah, that's not me. No, I never had that. Nope. Uh, two wealthy white moms. Nope. Definitely didn't have that. I had, right, yeah. um, yeah, lower middle class. I don't know how they managed to quote afford me. I'm sure that it was a lot of family help that they had. Um, my mom's parents were still alive at the time. They both my, her mom passed when I was like four. I barely remember her. And then, um, her dad passed when I was 15. And then my dad, um, his dad passed when I was, gosh, yeah, somewhere in high school or right after high school. And then my, uh, grandmother passed when I was out just out of college. So, um, I think they probably helped fund the adoption. Um, my dad was a bartender slash he did some work with like youth court and family court and my mom, um, worked for the state. So, I mean, I remember being angry a lot about not having what a lot of the other kids had, let alone like being, uh, you know, made fun of all the time and bullied all the time. 
um, I think the self-hatred started at a really, really young age and the like knowing that I am other and knowing that I don't feel like I fit in or belong, which is actually the root of my OCD to this day, um, is it was really difficult. Cause I, I do remember like eating lettuce out of the fridge, like pieces of lettuce because I was so hungry or like, you know, I, some of us would joke, like, were you a bologna kid? Like, were you a kid that ate bologna for lunch? Or were you a kid that like could afford the school lunch and like had all the snacks and like things like that? And I remember even having a friend, a friend who I thought was like my best friend, childhood friend. Um, I'd go to her house a lot and I would like eat all of their snacks. Like I would eat them <laughs> out of house and home because I was like, there's food and it's like yeah. good food. They have like Doritos. They don't, you know, like for us, it was like a treat to have like the name uh, brand snack. Uh, yeah. Or even like, like a happy meal. That was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was a treat. So I never had anything fancy or like, you know, I mean, the kids were wearing like Abercrombie. You guys talked about Abercrombie on one of your episodes. I think Patrick, you worked there. You said I did. I yeah. did as well. Good memory. Good I memory. did too. <laughs> but yes, I grew up like what is what is Abercrombie until like I could be old enough to make a decision and be like, well, I'm going to work at this store because that's mm. how much I'm going to not be what I came from, you know. Um, mm. And the story was, you know, you had two parents. I actually have both of their names, like my birth dad and my birth mom, mm. and I'm from. Um, Chungcheong Nando um, in Chungnam province. I was told that they were not married, had met of wedlock, and so, and my birth mom was like really poor or something. This is what I was told. I have no idea if it's relevant, true, whatever. Um, I do think though that my story is probably somewhat ac- more, at least more accurate than like someone like my brother who possibly may have been like trafficked. Um, mm. Because like, it's very rare to have both of your birth parents information on your yeah. records. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that's the story I was told. And I always grew up thinking like, well, at least I wasn't, at least I'm not a prostitute. That's basically what my mom would tell me. Like, well, you would you could have been a prostitute on the streets or begging in the streets. So I was like, I guess it's not that bad that I'm eating lettuce again, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. And it is, I think, really, it's a rarer story to have both of those names. And then and mm-hmm. then it's a very common story to be told, well, you could have had a worse life. And right. now you should be grateful for everything that you have. Got it. And I appreciate yeah. you sharing because you talked about when you were talking about your story initially, you had to succeed to survive. Your survival mm-hmm. method was success. So you'd go 110%. That was the whole purpose of what the drive for what you were doing and that made you involve yourself in a ton of different things from really early on and so you listed off cheer theater art (laughs) writing um i wanted to ask what about those particular things drew you to those particular things uh most likely the like how do i say this like the status and the way the way it's viewed in a white conservative environment. So like it is a value to be a cheerleader, like in a suburban school, right? Like you're right, like, what's you more know, all American. What is more all American than that? And yeah. I was all American. I was an all American cheerleader in high school, which is like the highest level. Nice. Of, yeah. You can get, because of course I had to be all or nothing. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, I think for me, the theater part was feeling like I belonged to like this whole, cause you do get really close with everyone in the cast. Cause you're with each other like every day. It's, after it's, a, it's a light cult. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> totally. It's a light cult. And I really liked performing. And I think that also was part of cheer as well. Like I love to make people laugh still to this day, like in college mm. I did improv. I love to make people laugh. So I think like back then I didn't quite understand that that was what I loved about performing or what I loved about cheer or um, being in the chorus and the musicals or um, any of that. But I did really feel drawn to that. And I actually did go on after college or during college. And thereafter, I, 2010 was the last year I did like semi-pro dance slash cheer. Um, but that's just like a whole other, that's a whole other tangent for another day. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the reason I ask, I think it's interesting because, and I feel like I've been bringing this up a lot on our recent interviews, but I feel yeah. like a lot of adoptees specifically are drawn to the more creative pursuits for whatever reason, especially mm-hmm. at a younger age, because we we don't have the language to articulate what we're going through. And so yes. for whatever reason, we're like, oh, I'm going to write, I'm going to act, I'm going to participate in sports, even though I don't think that's a creative thing, cheer, whatever it is, you know, we're going to, yeah. I'm going to pursue these things. Mm-hmm. Looking back, do you feel like, I, like you said, you know, you went through a lot of this coming to consciousness for a lot of different things more recently. Do you feel like when you look back, do you feel like you were trying to find the language to express yourself in the different things that you were going through at that time? A thousand percent. Yeah. And I think to this day, and I say, I'm like aware, I'm very cognizant that, uh, the reason that I am like, you see me surrounded by like scrapbook stuff here. <laughs> like the reason that I have all of this so stuff. Many colors. Wow. <laughs> so much markers. crap, so many papers and pens. Why? Um, who needs that much washi tape? It's obscene. Um, <laughs> is because I am like scrapbooking to me and planning to me is so much more than being creative and having a creative outlet, which is a huge, a r- big reason why most people do it. Just, period. Um, it's also helps with anxiety. It helps staying organized, all that stuff. But for me, it's about reclaiming my story and it's about being able to have the privilege of having a space to tell my current story because I don't know my past story. So for me, it's giving a voice and a narrative and a history for my daughter, who is my reason for absolutely everything and why I started doing the work that I've been participating in, why I'm doing EMDR, why I'm doing um, or about to be doing inner child work, which is going to be so great. Um, (laughs) and why I'm, you know, pursuing anti-racism in her school and why I'm their PTA president, like all of this, all of these creative things are because I am reclaiming my own identity and my own story and feeling like this is what I'm doing for me. And I'm creating a better legacy and a healthier identity and a healthier, more whole story for my child and her future children. Yeah. I, I've never really thought about it, uh, about the stuff I did in college and high school, mm-hmm. I guess, um, thinking about all the extracurricular activities I did too, like sports yeah. and choir and things. And I wonder sometimes you were in choir. I was, yes. I was. <laughs> so I'd love to get into that, that later. Did you know. not, what? I don't prove know. it. Prove it. No. Nori <laughs> bong skills. Um, no, but, <laughs> oh, uh, but, 
just the fact that I always did these activities mainly because, you know, like you were saying too about being a chameleon, I was trying to mm-hmm. fit into what yes. everyone else was doing. Everyone had an activity or yeah. uh, something that they wanted to do that was like a group or, um, you know, I was also in a church, um, you know, it was like a, like a church youth group. And yeah, like yeah. I just did the things that everyone else did because I wanted to fit in and mm-hmm. because I wanted to be a part of it and I wanted to feel included. But yes. then I also had this level of competitiveness that I wanted to either yep. prove that I was was you know, worth being in these groups. So I was always really like trying hard to win or get, Mm -hmm. you know, a perfect score or, or be the best at whatever I was doing. And it still kind of carries over to today. I I definitely am very competitive um, still. (laughs) Um, And I don't, I I wonder if that's, you know, I know that could be just a trait that a personality trait that people could have, but I wonder, Mm -hmm. you know, what the relation uh, to adoptees, um, you know, that that has, does everyone have that kind of sort of like, I really need to prove myself that, uh, that I'm, you know, good enough. And then I'm part of this group and things like that. Yeah. Katie and I have talked about that before quite a, quite a bit of length, both, I think, yeah, on her podcast and in private, just that it is more of a commonality among adoptees that we've noticed anyway. I mean, it'd be really, that's a study we were talking about, like, I wish there was a study on that. And then also like (laughs) a study on um, health issues and being adopted, like pre-diabetes, like high cholesterol, hypothyroidism, (laughs) like psoriasis. (laughs) Hello. Like, are these things just a part of being adopted because it's in our genetics or is it due to trauma or is it both? Mm -hmm. Like, these are things that we don't have. Again, going back to Patrick's question about why do I do all these things and how does that play into me uh, exerting creative energies? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm like grasping for, for things here. You know, I'm trying to like reclaim little bits and pieces and sort of put myself back together as much as I possibly can. And the way my friend put it is, yeah, you're parenting yourself while you're parenting your child. So it's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally. And I think it's interesting too. um, I don't, have the same like drive to be the best, but I have a drive to be competent enough, like competent mm-hmm. enough that no one questions my existence in any of those spaces. Like, cause, and I yeah, think part of that, maybe, sure. maybe that's like tampered by my physical disability, but I was like, well, I'm going to play sports. So like, I, and I know I won't be the best, but I want to be good enough that it, like, no one will be like, what are you even doing here? You know? Mm-hmm. Or like, if I'm going to like speak a language or hang out with a group, I want to like figure out their code and their mm, language mm-hmm. quickly enough that people are like, Oh, he gets it. Right. And I don't right, like right. say something of like, what? Or, you know, anything like that. Like put my, Yo, out not, it. Even, yeah. not even put my foot in my mouth, but just like very quickly, like ingratiate myself into whatever sub community, because I can code switch quickly and yes. I figure I can decode quickly and do yes. all those things. So I, I, yeah, I think that is, that is common. Um, mm-hmm. but I've never, like I've, for me, it's like competence is not so much like being the best, but, um, I am curious. So you wrote on your form, uh, which was a long time ago from when this recording is. Um, but you said, uh, one of the questions that we ask is what's the part of your story you're most passionate about? Now, at the time you said I'm a mama and a Christian, though I hate the term because Christians are the worst. So that had a lot to do with my journey. And you talked about like mm-hmm. that, that panel that you were asked to speak on mm-hmm. being like the moment that you realized you were a triangle trying to fit inside of a circle yes. and then you broke out of that and looked down and you're like, Oh, I'm actually a square. Yes. And so then you were like, Oh, so now I need to figure out what, where, you know, like, like uh, you use the language reclaiming, but I, for me, I think it's like making your own space. So yeah. what was that 
that panel experience and and what's your relationship with faith like these days because you say it it was like it's some in your overview it was like it wasn't important and then it was like decently important and then it was important but time has passed and so where are you with all that that's got like two hours no i'm just kidding <laughs> um we have 10 minutes <laughs> okay uh it was a lot yeah. i I don't even remember. And, and I think this is part of my trauma. Like my brain really doesn't remember certain things. And I can't, mm-hmm. I just can't like Katie will say that all the time. Like there's periods that are just blur and there's no memory. That's kind of how it was. I don't even remember what I spoke about exactly uh, other yeah. than moments where uh, people try to guess my race all the time. I remember talking about that, but um, it, I, I guess I had the only way I can describe it is like, I believe in the Holy spirit. And I do think that that is what lifted. I, I feel that racism is like a disease that is all over America. And it's like everywhere. You can't escape it. If you were, if you're from here, if you've been here, it's like in the air, it's like smog, like you're breathing it in. You might not know it, but, but you are. And when I spoke on the panel. I had this moment where I felt like that fog or that like veil that I'd been under was lifted and I could see my friend's humanity for the first time mm-hmm. and not just hear through this lens of all the lies that I had been fed as a quote white person <laughs> um, from my own family, like just the constant racist stuff that my family would say towards black people that you know that they're ghetto that they're you know the narratives right like the angry black woman narrative you guys know Mm -hmm. all this stuff like this is not new but these are things that I grew up with and and owned and I think because I wanted to identify so badly as just belonging as a white person I happily uh you know, like would use those terms myself. And so being on that panel, I realized how it was like an instant. Um, It was very similar to me becoming a Christian. It was like very instantaneous, very like, this is a very real moment. I can't unsee or deny it being extremely visceral and knowing that I had a lot of work to do. And so I felt convicted about my own internalized racism one, but more about being prejudiced towards black people. And so I go, I think I, I don't even know how I heard about be the bridge, but I did. And it's a, it was a Facebook group. It's still a Facebook group. And at the time there were all these resources and there still are a ton of resources. And Latasha Morrison connected me with, um, Robin, a freak who, is Mm. in like EQI. So we would have these like conversations, like we would talk to each other on the phone and she, we would Marco Polo each other or WhatsApp or whatever. And I had just, it was like, I was this like baby vampire. It was very similar to when I became a Christian. I just consumed information and I was like (laughs) hungry for truth. So I was like, I have to read like, uh, why are all the black kids sitting together at the table? And I have to read, you, you know, and like, I have to go back and look at like history. I have to go back and look at other resources than Fox news. And I have to like, you know, because that's what I grew up watching. That's what I grew up like. So it was a lot of unlearning, a lot of deconstructing, a lot of listening and not talking, just listening 
and being humble, which is the biggest thing I felt called to. And I think is probably the best advice I can give someone who's like, how do I enter into this conversation? Or how do I begin to unlearn or do this work is like, you need to humble yourself and listen, because you don't know what you don't know. So even as a person of color, like, I don't know what it's like for Jasmine. I don't, she's, you know, she's a black woman, completely different. Like, so I did a lot of listening and there's an amazing group of threads in that, um, be the bridge. And there's all this like access to information and like articles upon articles. And I made friends with someone. Oh, I know why I know how I found it because there was a friend, a woman who came to hear me speak on the panel and not just me, but a bunch of us. Um, she was like, wow, there's like a white church doing this like panel about being anti-rate. What, what? So she came as a guest and we became instant friends and her name is Nancy. And she, um, she's the one who told me about be the bridge. So she actually is the one who's been doing a lot of this work for a really long time. She's a white woman. Um, and she pointed me towards Latasha and all these other resources, Sun Ra's books and um, Jamar Tisby. And I started listening to like Truth's Table and other podcasts. And then um, the Seeing White podcast, um, it was on, seen on radio. It's like the best podcast I've ever listened to as far as like teaching you the basics of where racism began and how it, how it was made to continue and it's just very factual, scientific, like, whoa, this is like a real thing. And I remember just consuming all of these different resources, reading, listening, praying. And so um, we ended up leaving that church because unfortunately, when I was, I had invited our pastor. So right, we did this panel and me and this other girl, the other girl, Jasmine, um, my friend, my good friend, we were continuing to meet with our pastor and we were really hopeful that he was going to be like a true advocate and ally for anti-racism specifically within the Christian church. And he joined the be the bridge group. And I remember that I saw somebody post a meme that said something like, um, no white person today has ever owned a slave and no black person alive today has ever been one or something like that. And I just remember that I commented underneath the meme, like, yeah, sadly that's, that's how a lot of people in my church feel like, so why can't we just get over? It was kind of like the sentiment. And he, I never like named who my pastor was or the church or anything like that, but he saw my comment and he, I remember, I'll never forget. I was on vacation. He like attacked me and sent me these insane messages. He was livid, livid that I would like defame him and like say these things and how wrong I was. and long, long, long story short, we left the church and it, it was, I'm, I'm a fairly new Christian. So that was the church I had spent most of my Christian, um, I guess journey at, and it felt like a divorce. Um, it was really tough. And during that time period of me deconstructing, I also almost got divorced because I was, I am not the person my husband married. He married (laughs) a woman who identified as a white conservative who voted for Trump the first time. So it, and I, I share that only because I think it's extremely important to know how far I've come and how much work I've been doing to unlearn 
and to pursue justice um, for my black and brown friends. So, um, yeah, sorry, I, I don't know if that even answers your question. Um, but I'm still, I, I did find another church. There were two years, like almost two years where we didn't go anywhere. And I was so devastated by the way everything happened. Cause this was a church where like we were dating in, we got engaged in, we got married mm-hmm. in, we dedicated Nora in, we were in leadership. We were, I mean, these are people who are in our wedding. When we left the church, not one of them reached out to us to see like what was going on. Mm. Not one of them. I mean, it was devastating. Um, so I was in no hurry to be in cahoots with more Christians. Like I was just like, no, absolutely not. I am good. Um, but we did find a church that I now work part-time at. And the only reason I like even clicked to listen was because one, it was a woman (laughs) and two, it was, I knew my other good, one of my other friends who was a black woman was, um, attending that church and loved Mm. being there. So that's where we're at. I appreciate you sharing that whole journey. And I also just want to commend you and appreciate your vulnerability for sharing, you know, how far you've come over the last seven years. You know, I think that's really powerful and it is important for people to hear because I think it's really easy for us to just judge right off the bat and to not give people grace, especially as they've grown. And the fact that you gave us your whole deconstruction journey before giving us that point, I think it really hammers at home, you know, like you've been working on this and this is something that you've really taken seriously. One of the things you said that stuck out to me, you said, you know, racism is a disease and I would agree with you. I would also go a step further and call it a manufactured disease. Oh yeah. Because Mm -hmm. like you said, you know, it's like something that we're told and taught and it gets ingrained in us by the people, by the people who raise us and then by the people who raise them, you know, it is really, that's why we call it systemic is because it just is taught and taught over and over and over again and Mm -hmm. pushed to reach these levels. And I totally agree. You know, you got to do one, your own education, which I think you have demonstrated here and modeled here. And also you got to be willing to listen to the, to black people specifically, but any person of a marginalized identity or community, you have to listen to them because we might be ethnically Korean. We might be Korean adoptees, but we only know the experiences that we know. Like you said, we don't know. We don't know. And we can't speak over the people who have those experiences just because we have, we come from a marginalized community. I feel like it can be really easy for us to do that when we start to reclaim our story. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. that is, can be equally problematic, you know, because it really mm-hmm. pushes other folks to the margins and it just goes against what, you know, what we want to do for ourselves and for our own community. Um, right. I want to ask, you know, at the top, you, you, I, again, appreciate you sharing your journey through Christianity and, you know, kind of the twists and turns and bends that that has taken. And at the top, you talked about yourself as an anti-adoption advocate. And so I want to ask you about navigating those two things because for a lot of people you know they associate adoption and christianity very very oh yeah you know very closely well it's also baked into christianity itself it is baked so. exactly yeah yeah yeah, so yeah yeah what has it been like navigating both of those worlds which seem to be opposing forces yes so fun uh everything <laughs> i do is like an that's why you wanted force. to come on the show it's like <laughs> it's just it's the best. No, um, our church is really small. I belong to a vineyard church. Vineyard churches are all mm. over uh, 
They are also not a monolith, though, and each church has its own flavor based upon the pastor and the leadership. Uh, Our church, I did grill our pastor before we ever stepped foot in the door. Uh, I asked questions about her beliefs on Black lives, on science, on evolution, on Donald Trump, on being uh, pro-choice, on all the things. And she ticked every box, let me tell you. So I was like, okay, we'll maybe come check you guys out because I don't even believe that this is a real thing because you guys are probably unicorns. And (laughs) we went to the church and we were like, the first thing I remember they were talking about was having eye hollow back training, which is like... um, Bystander training yep. is, is the group is the company, not yeah. I hollow back training, bystander training by the company I hollow back. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, Matt, my husband, I was like, you need to go to that. You're a white man. I know what to do. I got a loud mouth. I'm good. You go to that training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I was like, okay, these are people who are actually doing the work, or at least it looks like they're trying to do the work and not trying to be like the next mega church or something. Um and so that being said, huh? Did you get a loaf of bread? I did not get a loaf of bread. Uh, I heard that about some of the vineyard churches. I did not. They did have loaves, to, but they went to the people in the community who needed them. So uh. they sent right. me to an AIPI conference in California last, last year, which is where nice. I met Sun Chung Ra and got to like talk to him and fangirled. And, um, but anyways, yeah, I, I think that that's important to share so that you know the backstory of the the sort of flavor and temperature of my church, because I am unashamedly myself at all times at this point in life. I'm about to be 41, so I don't, ain't nobody got time for anything else. Um, and I am very open um, with my coworkers who are also the leadership and the board um, at the church about where I stand with being anti-adoption and they have all been extremely humble and have listened and have said, I've had them come to me. One of my very good friends now has said, yeah, we were going to adopt. I've had like probably, I want to say at least 10 couples tell me that they are not going to adopt based on just knowing my narrative and my story and my stance and seeing the things that I share like Patrick's amazing content and his carousels of information <laughs> and, <laughs> and sometimes run on sentences. Um, oh yeah. Sorry. Literacy <laughs> major. Um, oh, I'll be wrong like, all the time. Do you need an editor? Hello. Um, so yeah, so that, uh, makes me feel like, okay, this is, this is a work worth doing. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been offered, the opportunity if I ever want to, because our church does do a series called um, Seeking Shalom, which means like peace and restoration. And typically there are about justice oriented things. Um, and they offered for me if I ever wanted to, not that they wanted to put it on me by any means, but they know how passionate I am about being anti-adoption and just about bringing awareness around our voice in the triad. Um, and they have offered, like, if you ever want to talk about it, if you ever want to not saying you have to, but if you ever want to talk about it, you can have the mic. Like we're more than happy to give it to you and like encourage me to do it. And I'm like, I'm not ready yet. Yeah. It was like a slowly, it was slowly coming out almost. Cause like I would slowly leak things on Facebook about being like 
anti-adoption or like Mm -hmm. even not even anti-adoption, but just like sharing the fact that like, Hey, we're not all grateful adoptees. Like just sharing that, you know, or like really simple. It's not exactly what you think it is. Yeah. 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 Just, just little slivers of truth here and there, you know, um, my own family, like my, so I don't, I keep a very close distance from my adoptive mom and then my adoptive dad. Like I said, he passed four years ago, but has, um, four, he's the, he's one of five. Um, so there's like this group family chat all the time. And I've like asked to be excused from it because they are constantly sharing like photos of like, Oh, remember when, you know, your cousin was this little and how they look, he, he looks like, you know, grandpa did. And, and it's just like, it's so othering to me. And so like alienating and triggering that I was like, I just can't be in this chat because it's too, it's too much for me. And like, just being able to say that and like do that for myself and set that boundary. Um, I think that's part of, part of all of that too, like being anti-adoption and being pro adoptee centered. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important like, and I love being able to hear that you spoke up and other people listened, but not just that people listen. Like I, cause I remember I had a conversation with a, a coworker at uh, the church I worked at in Springfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, yeah, I'm just like, I just want to, I don't know. What's your experience been like? Basically he was like, have I been racist to you? Have I done the racism to you? And you know, any of that kind of stuff. And just like, he just like needed to make himself feel good basically. Oh, and yeah. All this yeah. stuff. And, and I was like, all right. So, but I was willing to do the work because he asked about it. So I had this whole conversation with him and then like, yeah. So it ended up being a much weirder dynamic because I found out some information after the fact, but I thought it was interesting that we had the conversation generally. I mean, most, I feel like especially most Christians on staff at the church, but like most Christians are like well-meaning presenting. Um, and I'm, I get really tired of people who are willing to listen and listen humbly and then change nothing about themselves. Yes. And so it's like, Period. I, it's fine. If you're listening to me, I have a podcast that I put out. If you, then I don't have to do the work of saying things over and over <sighs> again. But like, if you're not going to change, if it's not going to like cause you to think and have further questions and you know and maybe it's you know uh maybe it's just planting the seed and, and the lord will water it in his time but you know it's just like oh god it's really difficult for me but to hear that you were able to be like yeah i've i've been myself i've been my authentic self and in mm. this community which i have been very guarded and very open about being in the community and and like accepting not just like the community like accepting me but me accepting the community like it's been a a good i think you've maintained it sounds like you've maintained boundaries well and built relationships in a way that you're like actually yeah the the facts of my life matter in a way that maybe help a future adoptee maybe help future adoptive parents even if parents proceed to adopt that they're like all right Mm -hmm. i need to go into this with a level of mindfulness that i just wasn't prepared for so it's really encouraging to hear that that's been your experience because it's not again it's another story that we don't often get to hear about is even if people yeah. are listening there's not often we don't we certainly almost never get to see the benefit of that action and generally we yeah. see that no action is being taken at all i'm like all right cool i guess thanks for listening that one time or those 12 times and not <laughs> doing anything and still doing nothing which is worse i don't know yeah, I don't, I don't know, yeah. but that, that's it's encouraging to to hear that. So thanks for thanks for sharing. Of course. 
Yeah, I just had that same, a similar conversation, specifically about on topic of racism with someone. It's like, you know, if you do something that's racist, then mm-hmm. I'm going to call you in on it and I'm going to tell, like, explain, you know, what, why it was problematic, what could possibly be done about it in the future. Mm-hmm. And there's two paths you can take. You can either continue right. to do those things and yep. not change at all, or you can start to listen, you can start to learn, and we can yeah. see those things start to change a little bit in your attitudes and the way that you operate. Because right. at the end of the day, people are going to make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time, and I'm still learning. And it's it's about are we willing to be accountable, not just to the world, but to ourselves? Are we willing to hold ourselves accountable when we do something that's fucked up? And a lot of times, in a lot of ways in this country specifically, we are not. We are unwilling yeah. to be accountable to the numerous things that we do that are wrong. We're oh, unwilling yeah. to admit a mistake. And so yes. I think one of the things that – I mean, the thing that I've really taken away from this conversation, Jen, is that you have went through this process. And I really appreciate everything that you shared because I feel like you've laid a little bit of a groundwork, a little bit of a framework for folks who are listening to be able to follow in a way that I think is, if not simple, is at least laid out in a way that can be followed. You know, and it's it's not – convoluted or it's not like, oh, I can be misconstruing this. It's like, no, here are things, steps that you can actually take that are tangible. And yeah, here, here's the path. Here are the paths that you can take. So I really appreciate that. And, you know, I appreciate everything that you've shared in your story. Um, as we kind of come to the bookend of this, uh, what for you right now is the big thing that you're focused on or what is like next for you as an adoptee specifically? Like, what are you hoping to do or learn or glean about your own identity and your own journey? Yeah, so I did print out the paperwork to, like, start the search. Um, And it's been sitting in a folder back there for, like, uh, a while. Um, But I printed (laughs) it out. So there's that. Uh, I am very fortunate to have a local group of Korean adoptees who get together on a fairly regular basis and do things like watch uh, past lives Mm. (laughs) and uh, go to uh, anti-racist benefits, uh, fundraisers, eliminating racism, empowering women uh, benefits and things like that. Um, So for me, it's like self-care right now, like just spending time with other Koreans. Uh, one of our Korean adoptee friends is putting on like a Chisok potluck, which is going to be awesome. Yay. We have Korean prom for the second year in a row where Nicole and I have <laughs> to redo. Korean prom? Yeah. Korean prom <laughs> is this. amazing. I'm intrigued. Nicole did not talk about Korean prom and how oh. we sang Oh Baby Britney Spears together. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I feel like I've it's, heard of uh, this. It's basically just an opportunity to... Wear a hanbok if you would like. I I ordered a very expensive one, decided I looked like I was wearing a muumuu and returned it um, <laughs> and decided to wear something else and um, drink a lot of soju and eat a lot of Korean food and do a lot of norabang and not, yeah, just have a great time. Eat a lot of food, drink a lot. Incredible. And, that's awesome. Yeah. And so that's, that's, what, that's what's on the docket for me. And then as Nora's, School 16, shout out to School 16. Um, as the PTA president, that whole thing is, it's a lot. I'm actually going to be subbing as well. Um, I am, yeah, I'm doing that 
because yeah, that's a whole nother story. That's a whole nother story. But um, let's just say that there were, it was, it was a PTA comprised of Karens, which is very common. And the Karens have left the building. Uh, I have kicked them out and told them they are no longer welcome. Nice. Um, and like, my name is Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. And I was like, uh, yeah, we, we're going to need some more people uh, who are, who are actually, you know, in this community at the table, because that's not who is running the PTA. And so that's my, that's my like ninja mission right now is like, yeah, being an advocate at the, at the school <laughs> level, I guess. You got a lot going on. That's all. Awesome. I got a lot. You got a lot, got a lot happening. Yeah. You're out here living life and also trying to do Korean and stuff. And having a YouTube channel <laughs> as well. Did you guys know how to YouTube channel? I do. I, I, I knew you had a YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. It's just uh, I didn't, but now's a great time to plug all of your <laughs> yeah. stuff sure. and where <laughs> they can find you, interact with you, all of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Segway. We love a good Segway since there's no snacks. Mm. Or will there be? <laughs> <laughs> that was looking right at you, Nathan. <laughs> Guilty. I just I wanted to bring up the, the tongue and the fruit and the cereal, but okay. No, um, I... Am Chappy Plans. Um, I I had like an adoption Instagram handle, but I literally never use it, so I feel like I shouldn't plug it. You can if you want. Uh, I mean, I have it at some point. Maybe I'll use it, but I really just used it to do like our Saturday morning chats mm. and stuff like that. And um, yeah, got to like talk to Nicole Chung through there and everything, which was really cool. Um, it's called The Adopted Soul, S-E-O-U-L. Um, and then Chappy Plans is like my main Instagram handle um, where I do planning and scrapbooking. And a YouTube handle is the same, Chappy Plans. I don't do the TikTok. I have a TikTok, but I don't do it. I don't do the TikTok. I don't do the TikToks. <laughs> All right. That's fair. We don't do the TikTok either. I look young, but I don't I do not do the TikToks. Also, I would like to come out and say that I'm coining the term yellow stays mellow and that it's my term. Thank you. Yellow stays mellow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I've only heard that in reference to the skin. So, but I d- I've definitely heard that before you, so I don't think Dang you can it. point it. I'm so sorry. Son of a nutcracker. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You I'm have like, shattered I, bursted her my bubble. life. I'm done. Yeah, you shattered her entire life, she just said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Again, KJ Buzz killed KJ. Everyone's right. like, I've never heard that before. You know before. what? We should cut to the snack, and then I'll just not be there. And be like, yeah, no, I, I, I killed him. Jen will be like, no, he's dead now. He has died. Welcome back he's to been, the John Chi Show with Nathan, Patrick, and Jen. KJ is dead. Jen was like, you know how I decaring the PTA? I just DKJ the John Chi Show. I like that. All right. Oh, gosh. Well, we'll have everything that you just shared linked in the show notes, even your adoptee uh, Instagram, maybe. Okay. I don't know. Sweet. Maybe. We'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and while we, link that st- <laughs> while we link all of those things in the show notes, we're going to take a quick break. And then come back with something. I don't know what it is, but we'll be back in a second. <laughs> Welcome back to the John Chi Show food time portion. <laughs> I am not Nathan. Nathan had to run out um, after our incredible interview with Jen Chapman. Jen Chapman's oh. still here with us, though. 
definitely what, uh, not multiple weeks after our the interview. De- definitely not. It's all it's happening funny. at the same time. Hundred percent, still the same day. Same Patrick, day. Patrick, how did it feel to <laughs> intro a food segment and have somebody else laugh at you? <laughs> it felt great. Honestly, it felt good. I don't know what it feels like to be I was Nathan like, it wouldn't be a food portion if somebody didn't say welcome and the someone else just died of laughter. Yeah, I died. So I died. I had to I, it was nice to step into that role for a little bit. You guys to didn't get to see Nathan's Patrick's shoes. face when he said the welcome back part. That was the best part. <laughs> So I always have my out. screen, uh, my browser oh, window hidden? shifted yeah. to where I can't see my own face oh. because I always get distracted. So I never know what I look like. It I was just like, go right into it. Welcome back. <laughs> like it was like a big. Wow. Yeah. All righty then. I'm here for that. Um, well, Jen, thank you so much for sticking around for this wonderful food section. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nathan had to go because something happened to his back. So oh. we're going to do this one. We're going to power through without him. Um, he threw his back out in the break. He threw his back out during the break, but luckily he did send us some soft O jellies, which I don't know what they are. KJ, can you, can you help me out here? Uh, What what the heck do we have in our hands? I don't really know. It's an an Orion product. Uh, it's called soft O jelly, but I don't know. Like, so it looks like there's, I think they might be filled. Maybe not. Um, that was what I was guessing. But the, the design of it, yeah, the design of it, if you Google it, it looks like, actually probably on our social media, but it looks like the O is an apostrophe and not just like, uh, yeah, so it's, it, it feels like it should be pronounced O'Jelly, like it's a mm. like it's an Irish or Scottish thing. O'Jelly. 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 It contains O-jelly. fish? O'Jelly. <laughs> Everything what? that we try from Korea has fish in it. What? No, it does not. Literally, the back say? just oh, says contains, contains fish. fish. Oh God, yeah. I'm scared. Where does but, hey, it's not expired, so oh, we're winning. So right there. <laughs> Jen gets it. Jen does get it. <laughs> it's not expired. Jen understood um, the assignment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Nathan understood the assignment. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, Thanks, Nathan. He's Sorry about your so, bag. two servings per container. Serving size is 30 grams. Amount per serving. It's only 95 calories, so you could eat the whole thing and not be like crazy. Out, yeah, out like that one time. calorie count. Oh, we, oh, oh, yeah, where we thought that, yeah, we oh, ate yeah. way too many calories. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh-oh. Um, Avoid direct sunlight. To... Keep in cool and dry place. Consume soon, soon after, after opening. opening. I wonder how soon. Interesting. So yeah, I'm just uh, concerned about the fish situation. It's green grape flavor. The back also says no. with 12% concentrated green grape juice so fish so, and grape juice winning yeah what could go wrong with that i don't know it must i mean the packaging is a win because nora wants to eat it but now that i if i tell her there's fish in there i don't know she might have another okay so they look like fruit snacks like regular fruit snacks yeah 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 it's they a smell, weird smell no they it smell kind of weird... like lychee yeah oh is that what that smell is yeah yeah it Which smelled not, very manufactured when I first opened it, but now I think it's oh, just because it's been sealed. Good. It is good. Yeah. It always takes me a second to like get into fruit flavored gummies. Mm-hmm. I will say not I was me. expecting a, an actual green coloring. This yeah, that's, is that's much me. clear. Mm-hmm. It's more it's like, like if a you chartreuse. took the skin off of the green grape. I guess if you yeah. hold it up to the package, like it kind of the green seeps through a little bit to turn it a little green. <laughs> yeah, it's Crazy. more of like a. Well, 
I was going to say, I'm going to just say it. It's more of like a urine color. <laughs> <laughs> it does kind of look like urine. There's nothing more appetizing than urine color. So sorry. Too. But it, I mean, I, I depending on how hydrated you are, I feel like right. if, if this is your, your urine color, then maybe drink some more water. Yeah, probably do that. Um, I mean, that's not too dehydrated. I also read on the Google the other day that the Google the color of your urine is not necessarily an indicator of hydration level. Really? So don't always go by that color. Wow. Okay. The more that's you fun. know. I will say that I did not click into the thing <laughs> from Google that said that. So it could have been a lie. It could have been um, a lie. All right. And that this was the potty hour with the John Chi Show. Welcome. <laughs> Back. More tips I and tricks. I missed about- my mouth. Um, uh, the, I'm going to eat the whole bag. They're really good. They, I am a jelly. I am a jelly. No, I am a gummy kind of sore because my daughter is obsessed with any kind of gummy candy. She has mm. celiac. So that's, we can't mm. eat too much, you know? <laughs> um, is there a high, uh, but gluten content in gummies? Yeah. Some gummies have like Twizzlers. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, gummy bears. Is a twi- is Twizzler like a favorite, or is there a favorite? Is she, she loves just like, Twizzlers. I like, okay. But she can't eat them. So sad. But these are really good. They kind of remind me of Welch's fruit snacks a little bit. A little bit. That's what I, I, think I was thinking. Better though. Yeah. Better like, there's than something. A ab- there's something about it that's like. Honestly, it might be that twelve percent grape juice, but it feels more like grapey and juicy than like a manufactured gummy taste well has gummies, a lot of grape juice in it too though i don't know well maybe i'm thinking of the other what's the other gummy um uh, it's like nature or something i don't know oh whatever. it's like a mixed berry thing. isn't it just called fruit snacks yeah probably i don't know i don't <laughs> i literally think it's called just like nature's <laughs> fruit snacks the last time i would have eaten them would have been like when i was in high school so. i think right. they have them at the gas station because i think i bought a Oh, do you like frequent gas stations? I do. Coming at me with that brag? Wow, bro. Yeah, usually Um, when I come back from basketball at like 10 at night, I stop at the gas station. Oh, wow. You buy a bag of chips (laughs) and two (laughs) things of Powerade. All right. Um, Sounds like you weren't coming back from basketball. Maybe something else. Um, (laughs) Oh, it has fish collagen. Interesting. (laughs) Oh, maybe maybe that's why. Because the consistency, like when you bite into it, it has like... I don't know. It's, it's very different. gelatinous. Yeah. 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 It also has ethanol. It. So, what the sub hell? Diesel engines. It's gassing me up. Oh my God. Am I going to die? Uh, Is that why you have to consume soon after opening? Are they flammable? Oh, I bet they're super. Fl- no, I want to set it on fire. Let's try it. No. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. No, These are those weird facts that I have floating around in my head. But I'm pretty sure that like one of the best fire starters you could use is like a nacho cheese Dorito because really it so what? much. Yeah, like they just burn like forever. <gasps> really, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna need to sure. test that theory for I, sure. Yeah, that's interesting. So, it's one of those like like random high school yeah. science facts. It's just like oh yeah, check this out. And you, burn we're burning Doritos in science like, class. No, just, yeah. When you're talking about like kinetic versus potential energy, and you're like, look at all this, and you just like light it on fire, and it burns for like wow. way longer than it should. Yeah. I know what that is. That's yeah. fascinating. Potential energy. <laughs> I know. I yeah. know what that is too. Which like, is I know what unachieved potential. I... <laughs> I mean, potential energy is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was lying. No. Oh, I'm thinking of a. I'm thinking of a roller coaster right now. But yeah. <laughs> I've forgotten. All right, it's that okay. was uh, physics class with the John Chi Show. Mm. Um, I don't have a lot things. to say 
yeah, beyond that, it's a it's overall a pretty good gummy, and I'm not big on gummies. Um, Jen, since you're our guest yeah. and you didn't throw out your back your your back throw out your back during the break, <laughs> what would you give these gummies out of five? Out of five, um, I'm gonna go with four point five. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My only, I, I guess, I deduct half a point because they're pretty darn near perfect consistency wise. Like the size of them, like you can pop the whole thing in your mouth or you can bite it in half. Either way, it's good. The mouth is happy. But I would say. The 0.5 deduction is because it's slightly sweet for me. Like it's almost mm. a little bit too like sugary. And that's that's gonna be my only like even the chartreuse translucent color doesn't really. Nineteen me. grams of sugar. There's a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. Thirty-eight grams technically if you eat the whole bag, which right. I am now doing. Which I <laughs> I know. I have <laughs> to say something for Nora. This is I the I last promise. one. So <laughs> All right. Um, Next. yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. I would give it a, I think I'd give it a four and a half too. Um, mm-hmm. my, I will say my four and a half is probably not the same four and a half as what you just gave oh. it. Cause I don't love, as we know, I don't love sweets and I definitely don't love gummies and I couldn't eat the whole bag, um, without my stomach hurting, but I, it <laughs> makes me want to eat the whole bag which mm. I think is like pretty high marks for the gummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other fruit gummies that we were talking about that we don't remember the names of, um, <laughs> I don't love them. And like gummy bears, at this point in my life, I only associate with frozen yogurt, but like the point of the frozen <laughs> yogurt where they're just like incredibly hard. And yes. like, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I think as a gummy, it's pretty solid. Uh, I This is just a general half point loss for probably all gummies like this. I don't love the coating on it that mm. I think keeps it from sticking to itself. Yes. But like if you if you get two that are stuck and you unstick them, what the one the side that was stuck is good and the side mm-hmm. that was not stuck has all the coating. And I don't like how that makes my mouth feel. But as a gummy overall, <laughs> it's got great mouthfeel. So great mouthfeel. Yeah, feel. four and a half. There you go. <laughs> I agree. It does have good mouthfeel. Um, it does. That's why I said you could eat the whole thing or bite it in half. Is this the other brand you yeah. were thinking of? The fruity snacks? No. Oh, no. That's not what I was thinking of. It might have oh. just but been I was Welch's thinking, I, was I guess, thinking of the Welch's fruit yeah. snacks. The Funnables? Funnables. Hilarious. No. Um, I was going to give it a four, and I couldn't, okay. Really, okay. I couldn't really explain why. Uh, and I feel like all of your, ever, both of your reasonings were all of my reasons probably (laughs) yeah but you both gave it a 4.5 so i feel like i should also give it a 4.5 so i'm gonna give it no i'm gonna give it (laughs) a 4.5 because i don't have uh any other reasons for why i feel like it should or should not be that so yeah 4.5 uh nathan how about you all right thanks that was what you said (laughs) did did your daughter just try one yeah Nora. what do you think the gummy four out of five four out of five what do you get or one out of five what do you give it <laughs> not four out of five. <laughs> oh, four and she a said half. four and a half and she couldn't even hear you talking so she wasn't even in here yeah. when we were giving it a rating she doesn't even go here she, she doesn't, doesn't even, even live go here. here whose kid is that <laughs> nice. uh, all right I, I feel like if nathan were to try this he'd give it a three but i hope he what? gives it a 4.5 really <laughs> i don't know 
I feel like he we would got, give it a five. Now you have to ask him. Like, you think he would camera. give it a five? Yeah, I think he would give it a five. Really? I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know. To be honest, I feel like he's pretty well. Okay, he's pretty kind-hearted, but then he's like very opinionated about food. So yeah, he's got. He's very mm. yeah. This he's is true. The stickler mm-hmm. for the food. Yeah, you 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 got me with the coding part. I kind of skipped over that part. They yeah. do the like, but that's almost, just like almost feels like it's like got a little cornstarch or something on like the outside. Yeah. See, I was feeling like the coating was a little bit better than normal gummies. It probably yeah, is. But it is. I, it, that's just a general derogatory mark I have against all gummies. I got gotcha. you. So, okay. I got gotcha. you. Hashtag all gummies. Hashtag not just Hashtag Oreon. not all gummies. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, no, actually all gummies. Yeah, um, actually all gummies, though. All right. Well, that <laughs> is Oreon's soft Oh, jellies. Soft oh, jellies. Oh, jellies. Soft oh, jellies. Soft oh, jelly. <laughs> Pepper the morning to ya. Oh, that was pretty Rest good. Um, uh, <laughs> I was going to try and do a speaking of segue, but it wouldn't there have worked. There is none. <laughs> <laughs> and well, anyways. No. And anyways, <laughs> Jen, thank you so much for joining us for this lovely <laughs> snack, for sharing so much of your story with us and unpacking that here on the show. I know that you shared a little bit about where people could find you, but if you don't mind rehashing it again, where can people find you? How do they connect with you? How do they follow along with your work? I can be found on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, and the YouTubes at Chappy Plans. So it's like Happy Plans, but with a C in the front of it. So C H A P P Y Plans. And I have a. Very unused, but I'll throw it out there anyway. <laughs> Instagram handle that is at the adopted soul S E O U L, which I created originally for adoptee content, but I've since taken a backseat. But you can still you can still follow me there if you want to. All right, slide into right. those DMs. We'll put those we'll put those DMs right in the show notes. A direct Please. link to your DMs, direct, not even yeah. to, to the profile. DMs. Yeah, just no. goes directly to your DMs. I don't <laughs> know how to do that. KJ's yeah. a pro, KJ's a coder though. He could probably figure it out. Okay. No, I think it's impossible. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that technology has been invented. We lied. We lied. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody, that's where you can go find Jen at Chappie Plans on all of those places. Um, if you want to hang out with us, you can do so at John Chi Show at all the places. You can also go to our website, johnchishow.com, to support us in all of the different ways. If you want to reach out to us and send us a message via written form, you can do so at or to johnchishow at gmail.com. If you want to send one of those messages via voice message you could do so <laughs> nice to the phone number nine six set wait what is it nine <laughs> seven what is it <laughs> wait there it is i knew what it was the whole time um <laughs> and if you are feeling like this is one of your favorite episodes or if a past episode has been something that you've really enjoyed and you've forgotten for some reason and you really want to support us another way, if you would love to, or if you could, leave us a rating or review on whatever player or listener or watcher or whatever thing that you're listening or watching to us on this. I yeah. don't know what I'm saying right now. Just tell wow. your mom. I'm losing it's a good my show. mind. <laughs> I've lost my mind. Slowly completely. going insane. Give us, a high five on a Give us a high Give five, us all the a stars. five stars, a written rating or a review wherever mm-hmm. you get your podcasts. That would be that greatly part. appreciated. That would be that would be great. Thank you, Jen. Mm-hmm. Thank you for helping me out there. Um, I got you, bro. If you want to follow me, you can do so at Patrick in the world on all of the places. 
Uh, I'm at KJ Rilke, wherever I want to be found on the internet. And Nathan is at N Nowak or Nathan Nowak on Facebook. So <laughs> he's, he's probably still N on Nowak. Facebook. On, no, oh, he's yeah, probably, he's, he's the one, one of us on Facebook, also moderating the John Chi Show after party, which is still in existence on Facebook. It's the saddest wow. after party ever. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we keep but it alive. With we no keep events. it going. It is just people. No it's the people that are just hanging out after the party, <laughs> like after the after party, who just don't know how to leave. The Midwestern goodbye of after parties. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yes, that, that is was what's so happening over accurate. There. <laughs> Incredible. Sorry, Nathan. Uh, wow. That's what you get when you throw out your back and you can't come to the recording. So, Sorry, um, again, Jen, thank you so much for joining us and for, for everybody me. else until next week. John Chi. John Chi. I thought you were going to uh, click it and then you didn't click it. Did you miss again? Yeah, I clicked the. <laughs> The infinite loop button is what had happened right there. Did you and miss it again? And it did not. And it did you not. You did go. miss again. It did not. I'm clicking a miss. <laughs>